Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Let's pray and get started. God, I thank you for each and every person here. You know, we never take it for granted, God, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. As always, I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. My prayer is they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. And before we begin to crack open the word of God, we want to say our Bible confession. It'll be displayed before you pick the monitor of your choice. But let's say this confession together. Here we go. Starts off with, this is my Bible. We can, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Family, we're still in a Taste and See series. And as you know, we have been asking you to send in your unbirthday pictures. For those of you who don't know what unbirthday is, you have one birthday a year, but you have at least 364 unbirthdays. And you should not wait for that one day of year that they call your birthday to have some celebratory activity in your life. God has given you the breath, breath of life. Every day you open your eyes, and as they say back in the old church, when the blood is running warm in your veins and you got strength in your bones and your limbs and you can get up and do something, do something. Stop waiting for your birthday to celebrate. Stop waiting for your anniversary to celebrate. Stop waiting for Christmas to celebrate. Stop waiting for 4th of July to celebrate. Celebrate every day. How about that? Let's do that. If you celebrate every day, guarantee you will get a joy in your heart that it'll be hard to get you down. But some unbirthday stuff. Let's look at some more unbirthday pictures. Ooh, somebody, I think that's Miss Sarah somewhere. Hudson Beach showing you the sunset. Like you, it, I gotta be, that's West Coast, Hudson Beach. Where, 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 where is Hudson Beach? Okay, West Coast. West Coast sunset for anybody to wanna know. What else we got? Ooh, husband and wife out there near the water. Looking good, looking prosperous. And look here, genuinely smiling. No fake smile. What, what do we got coming up next? Next. Oh, let me, let me tell you. When it comes to Vince, let me tell you what, what warrants my heart. I think he has a couple of them. Roll, roll the Vince ones. Here's what warrants my heart. Whenever I see a man taking the time to enjoy time with his children, 
Whenever I see a man making a point to tell me, no, pastor, I love my wife for real. I salute that gentleman because he represents what every man should be doing and every man should be saying. Salutes you, sir. Look at that. It, that's not, uh, look at the face. That's not a smile. That's a proud smug right there. Got my boo next to me. Oh, my goodness. What's, what we got? What we got? We have some more on birthday. Oh, look at this. Miss Jack and them, um, they're eating. I can't tell what they're eating, but if, wait, that's some, that's some, that's some uh, Asian stuff. Isn't that some Asian sauce? Some chopsticks? <laughs> Celebrating unbirthday. What else we got? Whoa. It's, it's, see, if I'm glad they do massages. Because if I got up in this bouncy thing right here, I would need all kind of adjustments. Hey, transatlantic cruise. That's first class. First class. Going where? First class to Rome. <laughs> Don't tell me you got to wait to celebrate on your birthday. We got something else. What else we got? Oh, that's, that's, that's some more vents around there somewhere. She driving and having fun. That up. Now, let me, let me, let me pause. I didn't, know, I didn't know I had so much vents today, but this is going to be some vent stuff. Now, notice what he's doing, though. He's taking the time, unbirthday or not, to make sure he is as healthy as possible so he can continue to have days. How many of us do that? Oh, we, we quick to go see the, the new whatever showing wherever or whoever's putting out what or going to have a party or eating cake. All that stuff is good. But you got to treat the temple like you want the temple to be around. And I can tell you for a fact they did get up early <laughs> because I see him there. What else? What else we got? <laughs> got his. I don't like, listen. I don't know if he got his kids going. His kids got him going. I don't care. The whole family getting involved. Yes, that's a blessing. Isn't that a blessing? Yes. Once again, though, like I say, I slew him. Father spending time with his children, and it's, I see y'all, I see a lot of y'all out there that do this, but look, oh, that's why they got to work out. <laughs> Getting some of that ice cream afterwards. Woo, look at here. Oh, Frank and Naja at the Columbia. Now, you know to see the Frank got the smooth beard thing working, got the Louisiana thing working there. It kind of fits the motif, too. Ooh, love them, love them. What else we got? Look at the little children just playing. Now, the thing about that, remember we said one of the things you can do to just enjoy life is you can just go to the park and watch your children play. 
Or if you ever want to experience life in a new way, get yourself in a room full of children having fun. Just close your eyes and listen. They're not, they're not worrying about stuff that you're worrying about. They're not bogged down by what's, what's going on in life. Why? They are enjoying the moment. When our children were little, I tell you what, used to burn my butt. We used to spend hundreds of dollars on Christmas, and they playing with the box that the toy came in. We wised up, though. If you like that box, we can come, cut back on some of this cheddar and just enjoy the moment. They're just enjoying the moment. And guess what? The only person mad about them playing with the box is me. They happy. We got anything else? Miss Faye. That's a crab. That's a crab. That's a crab thing. That's a crab bib. I know because my wife eat crabs, and I've seen plenty of them bibs. Enjoy yourself on your unbirthday. Keep doing that. Oh, Tara and Fritz. T got the, 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 the lips. I like it. You look good, girl. That's magazine ready right there. You better represent. That's a good shot. My children right there. Is that in Rome? Sending us pictures from Rome. Look at her. Enjoying. Look. Whether, whether it's water or whether it's not. If it's, if, it's not a, if it's not a vice, if it's not messing up your mentals, if you're just doing what you're doing and minding your own business, guess what? God love you anyway. I, th I thank her for sending it in. I don't care if the label was turned to the front or to the back. I don't care if it was clear or it had an umbrella in it or not. She enjoying life. If you ain't got nothing else better than to pick up, pick at what somebody else doing to enjoy themselves, maybe you need to spend more time enjoying yourself and you will have less time to pick at what somebody else doing. If they ain't got a gun in their hand, if they ain't robbing nobody, as a matter of fact, my family would say this like this. Listen, when they bought what they bought, when they did what they did, they didn't go in your pocket and get the money to buy that. They didn't go in your bank account and take that trip. They, why, you, why you got to go all up in their business with your opinion if you ain't dropped a dollar on what they doing? If, if, if what they're doing is not getting them crossways with God, we would say it like this coming up in this ministry. If it's not a heaven or hell issue, then get the out of their business. Now, we didn't say that last. I just laid that in. That's a little me. But there, there, there are times that we, you know, we dabble in things that we really shouldn't be dabbling in. When I was a little kid, we used to have these, uh, they don't, well, they, they started by making record players, but we used to be able to be able to buy cereal, and you cut out the record, it's like a little square record on the back of it, and I remember there was one that used to say a little song and to say, if you can't say nothing nice, say nothing. And so if you 
really can't say nothing nice and productive to somebody, think twice about whether or not you really should be saying it. Ooh, unbirthday, taste and see, family. Now, last session, I kind of shared something with you. And we're going to start back here. Listen, when we look at Psalms 34 in the King James Version, we have this scripture. Psalm 34, verse 8, reads this way. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Last session, I shared with you that when you look at that phrase, taste and see, that that phrase is more than just mere words. That phrase is an invitation to an experience. And that experience is the opportunity to fully taste and see that God is good by entrusting all that you are to him. This session, I'm going to take that full first, we're going to call it a sentence even though it it ends in a colon. That first sentence that says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I want to dedicate this session to talking about a perspective on that sentence. Now, I'm going to tell you this perspective is in my view. Now, make sure that the person next to you know that. Say, now, this is in pastor's view. This is in pastor's view. In my view, the way the church has presented that sentence, in my view, in my opinion, the way the church, and I know that's a big word, so it lumps everybody in. Keep in mind, there are outliers. There are people who didn't necessarily do this, but I'm saying in general, the church. The way they have presented that first sentence has unintentionally put a stumbling block in the way of many Christians or aspiring believers. And I want to explain this to you. When we have this taste and see here, what that does is taste and see, is it combines God with good. And when it combines God with good, I want you to notice this. When you have a statement that links God to the word good, it can form an implication. And when someone is messaging you, they can give you the implication, or in many cases, just a blatant declaration that when you see God is good, that what that means is that God is going to introduce himself in your life in such a manner that it eliminates all your problems. And when messengers make such a contention, they support their position with Bible references such as these. Notice, we're going to rattle off six scripture references. I'm going to tell you that you see certain things they're highlighted, 
we're going to be circling back to the highlighted parts. For now, we're just going to read them to get them in your spirit. The first one here is in the book of Matthew, out of the voice translation of the Bible, verses 7 through 11. If you're familiar with King James or any other, any other version, it's gonna, you're going to know exactly what it says in those versions as well. But here we go. Jesus is talking. Jesus says, just ask and it will be given to you. Seek after it and you will find. Continue to knock and the door will be open for you. All who ask receive. Those who seek find what they seek. And he who knocks will have the door open. Think of it this way. If your son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? Of course not. You would give him a loaf of bread. If your son asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? No. To be sure, you would give him a fish. The best fish you could find. So if you, who are sinful, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more does your Father in heaven, who is perfect, know how to give great gifts to his children? Go to Genesis for me. Now this, we're Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 2 in the voice, and verse 14 in the voice in the King James. This is Abraham. When God is asking him to sacrifice his son Isaac, notice, starting in verse 1 in the voice, after a period of time, God decided to put Abraham to the test. God says, Abraham, Abraham says, hey, I'm right here. God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom I know you love deeply, and go to the land of Moriah. When you get there, I want you to offer or sacrifice Isaac to me as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I will show you which one. Now, just to wrap it all up, to jump to verse 14, he takes Isaac, goes up. Isaac gets laid up, up there. He ends up having the knife ready to do the thing. Angel comes down and says, hey, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't kill the boy. God just wanted to know that he could trust you with anything. And he looks over and he sees a ram in the bush. For the sacrifice. Then we jump to verse 14. In the voice, Abraham has done this sacrificial thing and he says, or the Bible says, from that day forward, Abraham called the place the eternal one will provide. Because of this, people still say, still today say, on the mount of the eternal, all will be provided. Now the King James gets us to that two words that we used to, verse 14 in the King James, and Abraham called the name of that place what? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, right? So here we go. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Go to my next one. Matthew again. 6 through verse, chapter 6 in the voice, verses 31 through 33, Jesus says, So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then... All things, all these things will be given to you too. 
think we got Psalms coming up, right? Two Psalms and we're done. Go to the next one. Philippians, then two Psalms. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. King James and Amplified Classic. King James says this, but my God shall supply all your needs, all your need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Amplified Classic just kind of juices it up a little bit. And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3, easy to read. It says, it says 18 in the beginning, that's really verse 1. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my place of safety. He is my God, the rock I run to for protection. He is my shield. By his power, I am saved. He is my hiding place high in the hills. I called to the Lord for help, and he saved me from my enemies. He is worthy of my praise. Last one, also a psalm. Psalm 5, verse, verse 12, King James and the Amplified Classic. The King James says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with what? Favor. I know if you're, if you're a seasoned one in the same ministry, you've heard this tons of times. With favor wilt thou compass him as with the what? As with the shield, the Amplified Classic once again. For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteousness, righteous, him who is upright in right standing with you and, or with you, as with the shield, you will surround him with goodwill, and they wrap goodwill in not just favor, but what? Pleasure, Pleasure and favor. Now pause right there, family, because we've read six passages some in multiple translations or versions of how are you supposed to say that? I want to ask you, did you notice any common theme? All the things that we read, there is a common theme. Not that you can't pull out more than one theme, but let me share with you the common theme that I hear. The common theme is this. God will do for you. If we were to just go through some of, of those passages and pick out some things, what do we have? Look at this image. It says, God will do for you. He will provide. He will give. He will supply. He will strengthen. He will protect. He will favor. He will, pre he will please. Now, when you have someone who is a messenger and they give out that theme to a congregation of folks, to some individuals who are listening, and they give out that theme with force and power and certainty and confidence, the passion of the message, that thing begins to have the people internally draw a certain conclusion. And that conclusion subsequently does this. It causes them to begin to build their faith on a particular belief. Or we can say on a, 
on a foundational belief. And disturbingly, say disturbingly. Disturbingly. Mm, 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 mm. Disturbingly. When they start building their faith on the particular belief, that belief links them to a certain logic. What is that belief in logic? Notice. The fundamental belief is this. I know God is good because, important word there, God does things in my life that make me feel good. That fundamental belief drives a link to a logic that says, my life being good is the proof God is good. Now, family, that introduces a fault in their spiritual foundation. It introduces a fault because that fundamental belief that drives that logic, it defines God in a particular type of way. How is that? Next one. It defines God as a pleaser. And in defining God as a pleaser, that puts right at our faith, at feet a certain question. And that question is this. If this belief system and that logic defines God as a pleaser, what happens in the heart and the mind of a believer, hey, when the pleaser doesn't please? Take us back to Matthew, the first Matthew. What happens when the pleaser doesn't please? What happens to that believer when they feel as if they have been asking, but nothing's being given? What happens when they feel like they have been seeking and they're finding nothing? What happens when they feel as if they have been knocking but there is no door being open. I mean, it says all who ask receive, but doggone it, I'm asking, I'm not receiving. It says those, I'm assuming all those who seek, they will find doggone it. You know what? I'm seeking. I'm finding nothing. It says all who knock will have the door open. I'm not seeing no doors open. As a matter of fact, whenever a door seems to open, there seems to be somebody else on the other side slamming that boy back in my face. I've gotten to the point to where I've knocked on every door I can find. I've gone face to face with every door that got slammed in my face. I'm running out of doors to even find a knock on. What happens when you feel like you're asking and you keep on asking, you're seeking and you keep on seeking, you're knocking and you keep on knocking, but doggone it, the pleaser is not coming through with anything pleasing. I mean, look, what happens when the Father in heaven, who, by the way, is perfect, seems to not be coming through. Okay, we know he know how to give great gifts. By the way, 
since I am just a man, I am just, see this right here? You who are sinful, since I am just a man, and by the way, I'm giving good gifts to my kids. They eating well. They riding good. I'm loving on them. I'm still being a blessing. If I know how to do that, and the Father in heaven is who is perfect, who obviously knows how to give great gifts to his children, why am I not getting those great gifts? Go to the next one. What happens when? Hit me with, hit me with Genesis 22. No, Genesis 22. Keep me on those scriptures. Genesis 22. Thank you. Genesis 22. What happens when you feel like you have been sacrificing like Abraham's getting ready to do Isaac? You have been living your life sacrificially, you feel, to God. And you still do not see your ram in the bush. You've been looking for one, but you don't see no ram in the bush. I'm talking about the times when you fall on your knees, look up to the sky, and you cry out to Jehovah and let him know that you would really like to see some of that gyro right about now. Next one. You see, when you have a foundation that's built on a certain belief and a certain logic that the proof in God being good is how you feel. Look, look at here. What happens when you know that the Heavenly Father know exactly what you need? And you feel as if you have been seeking first the kingdom. I mean, how, how, how many messages I got to teach? How many songs I got to sing in the choir and, 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 and on the praise team? How much ushering do I have to do? How much giving do I have to give outside in my community? How much tithe and offering do I need to sow? I mean, how, what is the definition behind seeking the kingdom of God first? I mean, how much loving my neighbor like I love myself do I have to do? Because you already know exactly what I need, and I'm expecting all things to be given to me. But what happens, loved one, in your belief system when the pleaser doesn't please? Next one. Certainly, I feel like I have a need. And the Bible tells me, God, that you will supply all your need. And for sure, I can see that I have had some need supplied, but my God supposed to supply all my needs. Not maybe, not might, but shall supply. And the supply I'm getting, doggone sure, it share, sure isn't according to the riches and glory. So if I am getting supplied, there is another supply that I'm not tapping into. And I'm expecting it to be given to me liberally to the full. But what happens when you feel as if 
that supply is not coming. Next one. You see, what happens when you feel as if strength and safety and protection and all of that stuff is not being given to you by the God who is defined by the things that he do that make you feel good? What, what, what happens? Because what happens when you feel as if you ran to God because what? You wanted salvation from your enemies. But God, I, I, I don't know exactly how your, how your protection is supposed to work, but it feels to me like my enemy is still getting a lot of licks in. I mean, I, 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 under, I understand enough just from my own human capacity that protection and shielding and safety means that I'm not supposed to be, I don't think, feeling all these licks still. Last song. What happens, loved ones, when you feel as if you really should be getting a little bit more favor? What happens when you feel as if maybe even favor is eluding you and in your life, you are not pleased. Go back to our logic, the very first one on the logic. It should be the one after this one. Go down one more. Loved ones, when you have this belief system, it drives you to say that my life and your logic being good is the proof that God is good. And what that does, next image, it puts God as a pleaser. And so, loved ones, what happens? Next image. What happens when you want to feel favored? favorite, but, you, but, but instead, you really feel dismissed. What happens in the heart and the mind of a believer or an aspiring Christian when they want to feel strengthened, but they really feel weak? What happens when they want to feel protected? But guess what? They feel vulnerable. What happens when they want to feel shielded, but they feel exposed? What happens when they want to feel supplied, but they really look around and the only thing they see and feel is lack? Let me tell you what happens. What happens is that the person or the persons or the group that have that Belief that's rooted with that logic, their foundation gets shaken. And they end up with a fault. And then, because they end up being shaken, because they end up with a fault, 
they begin to learn that every logic has a negation. Every logic statement has a negation. And when they find themselves in that mindset of the pleaser is not pleasing, the negation takes over. Notice. They begin with the logic. Now we're working back to their belief. The logic was, in the positive, my life being good is the proof that God is good. But when the pleaser doesn't please, they get sucked into the negation, which is my life not being good is the proof that God is not good. And now that fractures their belief because their belief in the positive is I know God is good because, because there's a because, that's an important word, God does things in my life that make me feel good. But when the pleaser doesn't please family, the negation takes over. And they end up with this in their heart and mind. I know God is not good because God does not do things in my life that make me feel good. Family, circumstances in our lives is not the measure of God's goodness. It's not. Not at all. I want you to say something with me. Because we cannot allow ourselves to end up in this position. Say this with me. It's going gonna, it's gonna to show up, but I want you to say it before you see it. Say this. Say, God being good, God being good does, not does not result from our positive judgment, our positive judgment of, his of his decisions. Next image. Let that marinate. Whether God is good or not is not the result of our positive conclusion or judgment on his decision. You know, when we hear though that, that sentence, oh, taste and see that God is good, that thing, it warms our heart as we begin to think about all the things that God can do to show himself good to us. But guess what? God being good does not result from our positive judgment of his decisions. It's good to have the thought that God's act of goodness will make you feel good. I mean, thinking that way is, is, is not, I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing to feel good about God being good. We're not, we're not saying that. 
Notice. Thoughts of God's generosity make us feel good about God being good, and that's wonderful. Family, it's good to feel good about God being good. But we got to complete that thought with a clarifier. Here's your clarifier. Choose the monitor closest to you and check this out. Family, the clarifying thought. It is good to feel good about God being good. But it is better to understand that God is good regardless of how we feel about how good he is. Family, God's goodness is not a result of how we feel. God is good because he good. And when you read that verse of scripture and it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Look, we can taste and see that the Lord is good and not like what we taste and see. I can tell you right now, face to face, everything that, that has come through my life has not tasted good and does, has not looked it. I'm going to say looked it. That, that's the word that fit there. I was going to say seen, but looked it kind of gets us the way, you know, I'm talking to my people, looked it. Everything and always looked it good. So what am I saying? I'm saying I have endeavored almost all of my life to taste and see that the Lord is good. And there are times I tasted and I seen and what I'm tasting and what I'm seeing is not to my liking. But regardless of what I taste, regardless of what I see, God is still good. He is good because his goodness is not contingent on us liking what we taste or see. God is good because God is good. When I consider God's goodness, it brings me to a thought. And I was going through, how can I convey this thought in a very practical way? And I thought about me and my annual checkup. Follow me now. I know we got some medical field people in here. Don't, don't, don't see any physicians today, but I got the medical field people, and you know, you guys, so you guys gonna get this, and you gonna get it too, because everybody, I'm hoping everybody has been to the doctor for a physical at least once. <laughs> I went to my doctor. This is not, well, this particular time too, but I'm talking, I'm, I'm thinking about some years back. I went to my doctor for my physical, and my doctor's a female, so as she's going through all of my paperwork, you know, they have you do blood work. And then they come back and you got all these things. I used to take it home for Greta to look at because she knows what all these things look like. And I ask a lot of questions. If you go to the doctor, ask some questions. You better ask some questions. This is your body. Don't be just sitting there nodding while the doctor talking. You, and you know what? Slow them down. 
Make them spend as much time with you as you want. They had you waiting for an hour. I didn't, I didn't wait it for you. Had a doctor tell, I'm, I'm way off now. Had a doctor tell me, doctor's office tell me one time, well, you know, sir, it's a good thing that you, that you came in because if you hadn't come in, we're, you were still going get, to gonna get charged. Like, well, well, what about that hour you had me waiting for nobody coming in? You going to give me some credit? My appointment was at 9 o'clock. Why are you seeing me at 1030? Don't you give me, because I wasn't talking like this. Don't you give me, don't you give me no smack about you going to charge me when you don't show up on time and I'm in your office. Well, you know, the doctor's a little behind. Oh, I got something for their behind. <laughs> I, can't, I got a word for them. But, but I'm getting my physical, and, they, and the doctor's reading the results. But when you go to the doctor, that's, that's, it's your responsibility. And, and also, when you go to the doctor, remember, you're not there to be a pushover about you. Use your, use your mind. A- ask your questions. And it, it may be that the doctor's correct. But from what I'm telling you, don't just be a passive patient. Okay, Whew. I'm back in the message. Here we go. When we're talking about taste and see, I go to the doctor, and she gets my lab work. I do, I do my blood work a week, week ahead of time. So she's going through all my stuff and, Oh, very good, Mr. Smith. Oh, yeah, your weight's good. Uh, uh. She comes to a particular number that tells her something. And so she begins to share that, well, you know, what we can do for this is we can do something like, like a vitamin supplement. I interrupt her quickly. I said, wait, wait, wait. Because... I've been with this doctor for a long time, so she knows how I am about medicating. So I tell her, I said, well, what, what is it that I can do naturally to take care of this? And she gets excited because she's not just one to give medication as well. And in her excitement, she begins to talk about and list, just rattle off all these different foods that I can eat to help this number. A laundry list of items, keep in mind, I don't like. And I'm, my doctor is the kind of doctor that will get on the internet right then and begin to just give you some more stuff. And she'll say, I want me to print that out for you. She'll print it. I mean, she will just give you as much as you want to take. My disgust for this stuff, though, must have shown up on my face because she paused and started laughing, and then she started making some joking comments about, about me. But then we got back serious because this is about my health, and my health is a serious topic. And now she didn't say these exact words, but I'm going to give you my summation of her message to me. It is this. I'm going to put Benjamin in there. Benjamin, I did not mention or give you those list of foods because you like them. And those foods are not good for you because you like them. 
those foods are good for you because they are. Likewise, the same with God. God is not good because you like him. God is not good because he does things that you like. God is not good because he does things that make you feel good. God is good because he is. When you think about the issue that I have with that perspective. It drives people when they hear God is good to link God and the word good to their feelings. More accurately, and I want you to say this with me, Say, the issue is, the issue is when, I hear, when I hear, and then pause right there. I say when I, I'm not saying this is you. Just say this with me. It's not I. But we're just saying this together, okay? I just got to make sure, y'all, because this is just not a confession of your life is what I'm saying. All right, here we go. Let's do that again. The issue is, the issue is when, I link when I link God, God. and the word good, to my feelings, I run the risk of linking God, God's goodness to good feelings. And that's the more accurate depiction of the issue. That when people have that, that thought in their mind about God is good, and, oh, taste and see that God is good, and they start tasting and seeing and they don't, they getting bitterness and tartness and they expect to be tasting something that's, that's so good and the life get bumpy. What happens is they have linked God's goodness to good feelings. And that linkage sets up a stumbling block in the pathway of their faith walk. And removing that stumbling block requires a basic understanding of the word good in the sentence, God is good. That basic understanding is that when you hear God is good, it really points to or means God is the standard. But that is something that we will launch out into next session. For now, where do I want you to be at this pause moment? Number one, God's goodness is not driven by how you feel about his decision making. God is good simply because God is good.
Let's end it by saying that together. Say, God is good simply because God is good. Yeah, I didn't know y'all saying that with me, with me. I thought you were going to say it after me. But you know what? Let's say it together. I like that. I like that. I mean, you were locked in. You better go on with your good self. This is with your bad. You better go on with your good self. So we're going to say, so God, what, what do you say? God is good simply because God. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ready? Go. God is good simply because God is good. Amen. Love you so much. <laughs> oh, family, let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity for us to come here together and hear from you and to God fellowship together. We don't deny that there are times in our lives that we wish things were better. As it relates to our faith, though, we will not allow our faith foundation to have embedded in it an element that could cause it to fail. And that element is if we allow ourselves to link your goodness up with our feelings. God, you're you're good, period. Help us to always see you as the father you are to us. We thank you in advance for all the things you will do for us. And we say to you right now that we will work harder, God, if I can say that word, and keeping ourselves rooted and grounded in you and your word regardless of the circumstances and situations in our life. Oh, God, you're just good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.